Welcome to another episode of Raw and Real Chat. Elizabeth Lim here, your podcast host. I have the absolute pleasure of being joined uh, by Rory Knighton, all the way over from London, UK. Thank you so much for your time tonight, Rory. Thank you. It's uh, it's lovely to be here and uh, super excited to, to have a chat with you. Yeah, well, it's... um. It's going to be an interesting chat because uh, you have such a diverse background uh, in terms of where you've worked and um, and that's where we kind of met. We met on, on LinkedIn because it's a, uh, it's a great place to, to network and uh, be able to meet people with very interesting backgrounds. And, and whilst I thought I had um, a few kind of uh, feathers in my hat, you've got quite a lot. Um, <laughs> So, in you know, in can you tell everybody? Um, so, whilst you work at the moment predominantly in uh, media and design, um, where where else have you worked, and what kind of experiences to kind of do you bring to the table for your what you do today? It's probably easier to say where haven't I worked? <laughs> <laughs> where, well, um, that's a good question. Where haven't you worked in government? No, no. <laughs> yeah, no, there's, there's plenty of things that I haven't done. Um, but I, I, yeah, I've done, yeah, diverse is one way, uh, messy is another way of saying it. Um, I, I suppose uh, I've, I've sort of chosen things that I felt drawn to, uh, that I felt were interesting or would be fun. Um, so there wasn't such a such as a, a grand plan or this is what I'm going to do next or this is the roadmap. It was more, this sounds like fun, let's try this. Um, so as yeah, I've worked in, in furniture, I've worked in retail, I've worked in museums, um, usually within a, a marketing capacity. Um, so, so it's similar type of, of, of uh, job or what I'm doing, but it's always been in a completely different industry. Um, because I think you can only really be the best you can possibly be in one role for a certain period of time until you start to get a bit tired, a bit worn, and you can no longer look at something with fresh eyes. You, you sort of, you're inside this bubble. Um, so I, I like to try and assess how long I've been in the bubble and when it's time to get out of the bubble, I get out of the bubble and move on to the next fun thing. Um, so I, I've worked in, in marketing as a sort of very broad term um, for the last 12, 13 years. Um, but inside that, I've done lots of different things. Um, I like to, to let my creative fun side out. Um, so I've worked on, on various different uh, brands. Um, I, I, I've done everything from, from film and, and design. Of course, I went, I went to film school. Um, so I, I, I trained in, in film and trained as an actor. Failed miserably at, at making a success of being an actor. Um, and when that didn't work, I, I decided to sort of follow the route down in, in marketing, media, design. Um, and so over the last 12, 13 years, I've been doing that. Uh, the last four and a half years, I have been running my own consultancy business, um, which again, is not a simple thing. It's, it's a hodgepodge, a mix of lots of different things. I don't just consult, I actually do the design or I do the branding, we do films, we do commercials. Um, I do all sorts of fun things, anything my heart desires. Uh, that's within reason um, and, and so I'll do anything from one day I'll be giving a workshop to a management consultant firm on how to get better internal communications and the next day I may be filming a commercial and the day after that I may be running a marketing campaign for a large e-commerce business so it's interesting uh, I like to keep it interesting and, and fun and that's sort of what I spend my, my time doing at the moment and then I've obviously got lots of other fun projects that I'm working on um, sort of squeeze as much as I possibly can out of every single day. Yeah, well, you certainly want to um, make the most of what life can can 
can bring you um, but it sounds as though you make your own opportunities which is really important and it's probably a theme of a lot of my guests uh, is that um, a lot of them pivot and so you, you, you're constantly pivoting like um, spinning there's no pivoting it's just spinning I'm spinning around <laughs> Okay, I, I I use the word pivot a lot, I, and when I when I use that for yourself, I thought um, you know netball is a big a big sport here in in Australia, so we're thinking mm-hmm. of netball. But yes, spinning that's that's one way, a bit like the Tasmanian devil. Um, yes. But um, <laughs> um, but one thing that um, really kind of sparked an interest in terms of your experience um, and the hashtag that you have on your uh, bio from LinkedIn is the hashtag dyslexic thinking. Um, and so we briefly kind of uh, touched on that offline um, and, and and what you had to say, um, I'll be honest, you, you lit up, you lit up with, you know, complete passion because, um, and there's, there's a, a, a solid reason for that. So can you um, share with us what your experience or, or why you have that that hashtag in the first place sure um i suppose because i i, I was raised in, in a very lucky environment in the fact that, that my mother is, is a dyslexia specialist teacher um and i was taught and i firmly believe that dyslexia is a superpower um and it should be used to its its full um, advantage in in life and and I've found it to be incredibly useful on a daily basis um, dyslexia of course is different for everybody and that's what's so interesting and fun about it um, everybody dyslexia aside everybody learns and experiences the world in their own unique way mm. some people like to learn visually some people like to learn uh, acoustically audially so some people like to, to learn uh, by the written word or, or tactically, kinetically, um, by touch. Everybody learns and experiences everything differently. And then when you add the additional layer of dyslexia, a different way of thinking about things. For me, I, I think it's, it's, it's just a gift. I see it as a gift. Um, and any of the difficulties that I had as, as a child, um, whether it was, was uh, difficulty with, with writing, my handwriting, as I said, is, is horrendous. I have the worst handwriting going. It's so much so that I just don't use pen and paper anymore, apart from writing the occasional birthday card. Um, it, it, for me, uh, I, I had some small difficulties uh, with handwriting and, and a sort of um, repetition and speech and things like that. But, you know, working with my, my mother, I so hugely grateful and, and immensely lucky that she was there to, to help me with that. Um, I, I, on the surface, appear normal. I'm using air quotes for people listening. I appear normal and, and anyone, when I tell them I'm dyslexic, they're usually surprised or shocked because they, most people, uh, pretty much everybody I've spoken to, uh, understand dyslexia as a disability, as disadvantaged, as um, difficulty coping in traditional education. Um, and most of that is wrong. Um, yes, in traditional education, dyslexics um, will have difficulty um, because it's prescriptive. Um, if you judge everyone by how well they can climb a tree and some of you are fish, you know, it's, it's not a fair test. Um, we all have different strengths and abilities. Uh, and it's just madness that we have one blanket test for everybody uh, in schools. 
and and we know as, as as humans we're supposed to be up moving and about we're, we're not supposed to be sitting down in a in a space for a long period of time it's not how we're built it's not how we evolved it's not how our brains function that's why people say i'm going to go for a walk to think because when you start walking your brain switches on you come alive when you sit down on the sofa you vegetate you become comatose you pass out when you sit down because your brain thinks it's time to relax and sleep not time to engage and turn your brain on um, and that's one of the things that I do with, with, with companies is we have these stand-up meetings, uh, we have movement exercises, we do the breathing and, and uh, yoga. I mean, I'm, I'm going off on a tangent here, but, but many people don't even know how to breathe properly. Um, and we, we forget that we are in these wonderful machines, but we don't look after them. And, and that goes for children. So when they're sitting in the school, they're given this prescriptive education that everybody is the same. Many, many dyslexics have a really, really tough time. and. When they don't have the support of, say, a fantastic parent or a fantastic carer that, that has uh, advice and, and guidance for them in regards to the dyslexia, they, they leave school thinking they're stupid. They leave school thinking that there's something wrong with them. They leave school thinking that they're no good and they can't do it. And that is so, so disheartening and, and so sad. And it's not just dyslexics, it's, it's, it's anyone with any kind of neurodiversity. So it's anyone that, that has a form of autism or Asperger's or, or um, ADHD, anyone that has something that is not, uh, again, air quotes, neurotypical, um, normal, air quotes. Um, schools just, just throw them in the corner and say there's something wrong with them. They don't spend time with them um, because it's, it's harder because they have to apply a different framework to teach them. Um, so it's something that I feel massively passionate about and, and, and it's very sad that many, many children, they grow up into to adults in, in the workforce and they still have this dyslexia and they carry it around them. It's like a noose around their neck and they see it as a burden. They see it as a hindrance and it's not, it's a superpower. You know, if you look at, at most entrepreneurs, uh, 40 or 50% of them are, are dyslexic. Uh, Richard Branson is dyslexic. Um, if we look at Albert Einstein, dyslexic. Leonardo da Vinci, dyslexic. Most creatives, they tend to have some sort of neurodiversity because they think differently. Their brains are wired differently. Um, and so it's, it's, it's something that's, yeah, incredibly close to my heart. And it's, it's a weird one for me because I grew up thinking dyslexia was great. And so I've never seen it as a negative or, or in a negative light. I, I've always welcomed the fact that I'm dyslexic. I, I boast about it. I see it, yeah, as a superpower. Um, and my children are both dyslexic. And I thought, yay, great, uh, it, good. I see it as, as the next stage in evolution. Um, because we know, and, and they've, they've done so many studies on this, that when people are in a group, we work best when we have a diverse network of people. When we have some people that are, are neurodiverse, we have some people that are neurotypical, we have the best ideas. Um, and so I'm not saying that only dyslexics are the best and they're the, the master people that are gonna take over the world. What I'm saying is, as a group, we work great together. When you have different ways of thinking together, that's when magic happens. Um, and so I'm really passionate about bringing those strengths out to people and, and trying to help companies understand how to cater for people with different learning styles, uh, different different working styles. And I think that is happening in society, um, especially as we now sort of move away from the, uh, the, the standard nine to five environment where everybody must work these set hours, and everybody must, must uh, take the same breaks. You know, everybody has a different pattern, uh, a, a different rhythm in their life. And I think we're, we're slowly understanding that. But I think we're at the very beginnings of understanding dyslexia in the workplace and dyslexia in the education system, which is crazy considering dyslexia was really discovered in the 1930s. Um, and they, they knew how to deal with it back then, but it's just been sort of put on the back burner for so long. 
But I think with groups like Made by Dyslexia, I don't know if you know them, um, they've, they've made massive headway in sort of getting dyslexia out there. Um, it's, it's, it's definitely a fun movement, and I think there's, there's so much that people can learn from dyslexia and, and uh, realize that they're not alone, they're dyslexic mm. and, and, and terrified and worried that, that they have this, this issue, this problem. Once you understand and, and, and look at it in a different light, you, you, you see a whole new world to yourself. Mm. I mean, with, with all of that, um, that, those, that experience, that insight, um, you know, the, the multiple levels that, that you are able to be able to perceive it from, um, you know, the, as, as the child, as the parent, you know, all the, all the areas that you've covered, what has been the biggest barrier um, to get your message out there that it is a superpower? Because uh, you're right, you are, um, society is already kind of, society likes to have labels and -hmm. likes to predetermine things and and is very judgmental. And, you know, so aside from the obvious fact of, of, of negativity and incorrect kind of understanding and judgment of it, what has been your biggest barrier um, with kind of um, living with it and, and helping your children grow up with, you know, coping that with a, maybe a school system that's, that's not really designed to, to support um, those, those needs? So what would you say is the biggest barrier? Um, I, I think it's, it's, a, it's a framework issue. Um, so the, I'm also left-handed. So I experience a lot of, uh, of uh, strange things on a regular basis. So like a pair of scissors, simple, something as simple as a, a pair of scissors, I can't cut them properly with, with uh, my left hand. They, they just don't work. I have to use my right hand. Um, dyslexia is kind of like that. Um, the way things are... So, so for instance, on a daily basis, when I read articles, if they're written in a... What's the word? Not a verbose way, but if they're written in, in a way that is, is say, convoluted, or not not straightforward if they um and you see this in lots of marketing material which is funny because i work with marketing you, you see it in in many industries so, so the environment and sustainability in, industries have all these silly buzz phrases and and, and uh, turn of phrases like system change and, and all these kind of things as a dyslexic when you read these kind of documents you end up having to read them three or four times um because it's written in, in a in a just a convoluted way. And I noticed that with my children, they'll have to read something a couple of times. And it's not its not their fault. It's not that they don't understand it. It's just that it's written in a way that, that isn't particularly helpful. Um, dyslexics have, again, they are, many dyslexics have different types of, uh, of coping mechanisms because they have different, their dyslexia is different. Um, so for instance, some dyslexics, the words appear back to front um, some dyslexics, uh, the words seem to jump up and down on the page. It, it, weird stuff like that. Um, but there's great things like the, uh, the Amazon uh, Kindle um, has a dyslexia font, so you can change it to, to it's called Open Dyslexic. And it's amazing, it's super easy to read, great, go. Um, so there are little changes that you, you can make like that, that that have a profound difference, whereas most people would have no idea about stuff like this. They, they would have no idea that, that as a dyslexic, you just need to look at it in a different light and, and everything all of a sudden becomes much, much clearer. Um, so a, a big one for me is user interfaces. So I work in design as well, um, user experience, user interface. When people design things, the layout and things, whether it's on the left side or the right side, what the icons look like, 
usually they don't think about, well, what would this look like for somebody else? They just design it usually from their perspective or from the small people of, uh, that they have in, in their uh, group that they test it with, they go, that's great. They don't think about other people, how they might experience that, that piece of software or their app, uh, how it might just be completely unintuitive to somebody else. Mm. Um, one of the great things about being dyslexic today is we have technology, we have computers, and they're so malleable and you can construct it and change it to however you see fit. Whereas if we go back to when I was I was a kid um, and, and many kids growing up before me, you didn't have technology, you didn't have computers, life was a hell of a lot harder. Mm. Um, for instance, many dyslexics have difficulty spelling. My spelling is horrendous. Um, it, it's been an absolute um, godsend, I hate that turn of phrase, but, but it's been a godsend having um, autocorrect and apps like Grammarly that can correct my spelling or just even voice search, just being able to, to say what you're trying to search. Um, I have a, a fairly wide vocabulary, but I usually haven't got the faintest idea how to spell half the words that I can say. I, I have no idea what, what kind of letters begin with them, like soliloquy. I have no idea how to spell soliloquy, um, but I know how to say it. And so it's very helpful to be able to say it and, and Google will, will present me with the answer. So I'm incredibly fortunate and dyslexics today are incredibly fortunate that we have these amazing tools at our disposal uh, to, to help us continue with our, our daily lives. Um, so there are, there are definitely lots of barriers still there in the education system as well as in the workplace. But I think it's much, much easier now than it was say 10, 15 years ago. And there's certainly much more of an understanding um, and, and sort of a, uh, a want to, to, to accommodate people with um, a different learning style, um, which I think is, is, is good. I don't know if that answers your question. Yeah. No, well, it it it, uh, it does. It it certainly it not only answers the question, but it um it brings in a lot more to think about. And that's really when you say dyslexic thinking, that's that's really what you're representing. Is you're representing this ability to really unpack, like you say, a, a superpower. Um, mm -hmm. and that's that's the the great thing about it. And I I guess I. As I listen to you, what I hear um, just um, delicately sprinkled through your words is this uh, really deep sense of gratitude. Um, you are appreciative of everything um, your parents did for you, especially your mum being a specialist in that, in the dyslexia area. Um, you know, you are grateful for the gifts that you've been provided, the knowledge that you have, the more, the growth that you can have, um, the, the technology that's around now to support, you know, the, um, the challenges that you may face. And I guess, um, one of the things that that makes me wonder is um, so whilst you were really fortunate to um, grow up in the household you you were and you had all the resources that you, you did not everyone does and I guess um, from your perspective and and with your experience and and, and the, the the sessions that you do doing corporate and, and the workshops that you do what do you find is the most helpful tip that you can provide groups or leaders or managers to really um, kind of uh, trigger that understanding for that diversity? So whether that be diversity in the, uh, the, the in the neurological sense or that diversity culturally, you know, gender-wise, you know, lifestyle choices, those types of things. What's the one thing that you find um, has gotten you the best res 
response when when you when you're providing this advice when you're consulting in in that that space of diversity um i think it's just acceptance um and mainly accepting oneself um so we all tell ourselves these stories oh i'm i'm a lazy person or um i'm a tired person or i'm an ill person um or i don't like this or we, we tell ourselves these stories um and if you tell yourself the story long enough you'll start to live and believe that you are this person this you will live this story that you've, you've told yourself um so for me the most important thing is is to try and eradicate or wipe away that story that you've been telling yourself and really relearn who you are and accept who who you are and i meet so many people that tell me oh i'm this and that and they come in with all this baggage and i try and say at the beginning of every session just leave that outside you're a completely new person today you're an empty vessel ready to be filled with new fun information and try and pretend to be a kid because as a kid you're just a sponge and you're ready to just absorb the information just take in new stuff you know a kid can be sad one minute and then happy the next and they get on with their day we can learn so much from kids and how they just take life you know they can fall over get up crack on with it they don't sit and need six hours to drink over a glass of wine about how they fell over again they just get on with the day they wake up you know because every day you know if you've had a horrible horrible day it's really really bad the amazing thing is it sounds so corny and cheesy but the next day is a brand new day it's a gift every day is a gift and so if you had one bad day don't worry the next day will be great and you know it's small tiny things that you can change in your life to, to improve yourself if, if you are constantly finding that, that you're having difficulty every day just do one good thing that makes you feel good whether it's making the bed whether it's sitting down and meditating for five minutes whether it's reading a couple pages of book whether it's playing video games before you go to work whatever it is just to give yourself oh, i did that today that made me feel good and then hold on to that that happiness and that that good feeling and try and make it grow you know try and water that that feeling like a flower and, and try and blossom into this person that you want to be um, so it all comes back to, it stems back to that word acceptance and accepting who you are as a person um, and letting go of, of that baggage. And I think when everybody does that, whether you're dyslexic or not, whether you're neurotypical or neurodiverse, whatever it is, once you accept who you are, you, you happily accept who other people are. Once you come mm -hmm. to terms with that and you have this sort of monumental shift in your understanding of, of who you are. Um, you seem to, to become much more accepting of other people and you seem to want to help and accommodate other people because it feels good to help other people. It feels good to, to make other people feel good about themselves and, and be happy about themselves. Um, so that's that's my answer, acceptance. Well, well, that, that in itself, um, it reminds me of uh, uh, the ripple effect, it, mm -hmm. you know, because every little bit will count. It, it makes sense, um, you know, starting with ourselves is, is so crucially important um, but I think that that's probably one of the um, biggest hurdles a lot of people do face is, is is kind of coming to terms with where they're at because uh, reflecting on on where you're at can be uh, very confronting um, scary you know and uh, so I think that, that getting into that space is is um, is something that workplaces uh, managers leaders need to really kind of foster and uh, 
first of all, obviously do for themselves and then ultimately do for their team, um, role model that, which is which is what I can hear from you is, is that, you know, um, I'm sure your, your children uh, really benefit from your perspective of life. And mm-hmm. I mean, it is something that uh, I, I try to do as well with our three kids and, you know, because it just it you you're absolutely right they they do they are able to to um get over things very quickly and um and they're not bogged down like adults are are so so we really do need to i think you may have mentioned you know unlearn all all the things that we've Mm. we've already kind of set ourselves up for you know the scaffolding that we've created over the years so i mean i think that um you've really raise a, a number of very, very interesting topics and areas um, for discussion. Um, and I'd love to be able to chat with you more, but if anybody's interested in talking to you, um, you know, uh, also uh, can see that that your pers- the way you approach things is is really the kind of, uh, they're interested in, in engaging with your services, what's the best place for them to get in contact with you, Rory? Um, they can just type my name into Google and <laughs> okay. you'll see about a billion pictures of my smiling, beaming, grinning face. And uh, you can click on any of those and they'll usually take you to either my website, uh, runaway.world or my YouTube channel and just send me a message and I'll happily talk to anybody for hours. <laughs> well, yeah, because no, your YouTube channel, any anybody who's listening certainly should uh, subscribe to your channel. It's very entertaining, very educational, very enlightening and uh, very diverse in, in the uh, areas that you talk about. Messy. I like it. Messy. <laughs> Messy. Well, you know, organized chaos is really, you know, it's 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 definitely how I work, um, but it still gets it still gets done, and um, it allows that kind of creativity to kind of flow um, when 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 really you need it. So, thank you again for everything and all the, uh, you know, just. I love to think. I personally love to really think, and you've really got the neurons fr- fl- firing for me today um, because I'm just kind of thinking about all you all you've said. So, um, so that would be uh, great if everyone can, uh, you know, uh, add to your YouTube subscribers, which you've got plenty of, and uh, you know, just keep on obviously growing. So, thanks again for all. Um, all of your messy information <laughs> thank you and um and uh yeah no it's been an absolute pleasure Rory. thank you it's been wonderful elizabeth thank you for having me on be sure to head over to apple podcasts where we'd love it if you could subscribe rate and review